So, um, let's talk about Ninja Scroll. Ninja Scroll, part two of our uh, Versus series, because we ran long uh, the previous week. Um, Ninja Scroll, a anime classic. Folks, if you haven't seen this one, do yourself a favor. Uh, Stop the show right now. Uh, Put your pants on. And go... And go stream this movie right now. It was directed by uh, Yoshiaki Kawajiri and written by uh, the same person as well. Uh, It came out back in 1993. And I got to tell you, the first time I saw it, like it uh, when you're first getting into anime, especially when Pablo and I uh, got into anime uh, in the 90s, uh, it it introduced a style of storytelling that you just really don't see in any sort of American media, definitely not in American animation. And Ninja Scroll is definitely one of those movies. It has mature subject matter coupled with unbelievable uh, visuals. Um, and, And it's not shot... It's not presented in a way it's just like, oh, you know, colors and flashiness. It's just like it's a bunch of shadows, um, characters who essentially thrive in darkness and night, uh, juxtaposed against the protagonist of the film, who goes by the name of Jubei, um, who is a ronin, uh, just sort of wandering the Japanese countryside, uh, just trying to survive. Um, what's your, what's your, what's your over like overview of this film? You know, I gotta tell you, like, uh, I, I have to disagree with, with, um, with you there about like people who haven't seen it. How dare you? (laughs) No, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to say this much. Uh, this movie, uh, isn't for everyone. It's, um, it's, it, you know, uh, it's got a very uncomfortable, um, scene of sexual assault in it. Um, and that, that actually, you know, um, because when I, when I saw this as a kid, I didn't, man, my mind processed this so differently, you know, watching mm. this as like a, you know, a, as a person in their thirties, um, versus watching it as a person in their teens, like, you you walk you walk away from this movie with with two different kind of looks at it like two different viewpoints like when i saw this i was just like oh my god this is so cool it's got it's got sex it's got violence it's got fucking titties and now now <laughs> that i'm that i'm more mature i'm just like oh my god this is disturbing like yeah. why didn't i see this before like it's so like it uh like uh, it's it's akin to like that scene like and, you know, both are both are fictional, of course. It's the it's the scene that made me cringe, like it, like the scene in Good Time where uh, Connie Nikos, he uh, Robert Pattinson, he fucking kisses that sixteen year old girl. Um, mm. It's it just made my like it just had a different impression watching it the second time around. Um, and it wasn't so much like, oh, my God, you know, I'm watching cartoon titties. You know, um, now it's just like, oh, my God, this is fucking serious subject matter. Uh, I don't know if this is for everyone. 
And th- and then of course, uh, uh, I feel like movies like this have this kind of grindhouse quality to them now, where yeah. um, where uh, sexual assault is played for like exploitation. There's an exploitation behind it, and it there, it does it, despite the fact that this movie was made in what like 1993. Yes. Yeah. Um, it has a throwback aspect to it, where it feels like it's a movie from. It, it it's a it's almost like it's an exploitation movie from like the seventies. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. If they, for yeah, sure. if they made this movie live action, it would be like a movie from the early. Uh, it's either from the the the, the early eighties uh, to the late seventies, and it's just like it's got like uh, it's got some very mature themes. It's got fucking violence galore. It's also got um. It's also got what I can only assume is an influence on Avengers Endgame that I was surprised. Whoa, by. whoa! What was that? Uh, the the rock monster Tasai. Um, mm-hmm. He has a weapon. It's basically the weapon that Thanos yeah. uses at the very end of at, at the very end of Endgame. Um, it's like a double sure. bladed. For it's sure. a double bladed thing. It's a double bladed like basically throwing star that like it's like it's like captain america's shield it just like it, instead of like hitting people and not knocking out goons it like chops mercilessly mercilessly chops through waves of like warriors and shit um yep. <laughs> and it i was just like oh shit this is where um uh, uh the russo brothers got the got the the double-bladed weapon that thanos uses because he yeah. uses it in almost the exact same way. He throws it. Um, he he like basically try. He maims people with it. Uh, he I know he maims Captain America with it. Um, they basically it, and they gave it like the same kind of heft. You know, yeah. they didn't they didn't give it. They didn't like tone it down at all. I mean, you could tell that this thing is only capable of being wielded by a monster, basically. And in both films and game, as well as Ninja Scroll, it takes a giant hulking individual to basically <laughs> handle this weapon. Anybody else would literally be, like, crushed under the weight. Yeah. Um, and, and a quick note to uh, what you said earlier in regards to why you didn't see some of the subject matter that you now notice it's it you know we were kids you know it's like back then all that mattered was oh man it's cool um i'm sure there that there was some part of our brains that realized uh, or at least contributed to our definition of coolness at the time being coupled with the fact that oh this isn't kid shit <laughs> there yeah. are there are cartoon titties uh, on screen, um, but it wasn't it, it. Even when I first saw it at the time, it wasn't lost on me. One of the things that uh, the character that we were talking about, that rock monster, I can't remember his specific his name, name is Tesai. Tesai. Yeah. Um, he when he was uh, assaulting uh, that woman uh, in the in the film. Kagero. At Kagero and told her to to be quiet and that, you know, and basically told her, and don't think I wouldn't mind raping a dead girl. Um, When I saw that for the first time, I was like, oh, shit, this guy literally does not give any fucks. Like, he's not even really human, to tell you the truth. I mean, uh, I think that was probably one of my earliest exposures to 
uh, even the concept of uh, necrophilia. Um, so, I, so yeah. I, I, I don't know. Uh, throughout the, like, it was the first anime I had ever seen, right? Um, and when that happened, I was just like, oh, this dude is fucking scary. But also I was, like, conflicted because it was just like, I've never seen fucking cartoon titties before. This is odd. Um, <laughs> and then now, now, like, I watch the scene and I'm, I, I'm in a completely different place, you know. Mm. Um, and the, uh, the only, like, aside from that, which I, I felt like, oh, man, this is, it's, it's exploitative, you know. It, they're just using this because they want to give uh, – the heroes like uh they want to give her something to get revenge over and uh they want uh the male character to have something to like uh to basically quote unquote play the savior you know to to this uh mm. to this uh character this uh this lady character and i was just like you know what uh, this kind of <laughs> this kind of movie is definitely of its era um, it, I don't know if it could be even made today. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I almost felt like the scene was almost unnecessary, but I, at the same time, I was just like, you know what? It's of its era. You know, that's, that's just, um, you know, there's a lot of movies with like, uh, of that, of that time where it was just like sexual assault is a motivating factor to like get the hero to, to you know take revenge and honor the the woman's uh you know to let the woman retain their honor or some shit you know some fucking Mm. patriarchal bullshit like that and then yeah i just have i have a different view of it so i mean there was i understand where you're coming from with it but i'm also uh, the reason i'm not um I guess I, I don't feel so against that scene, and I'm not quite sure if if you feel against that scene with your current sensibilities. I'm not, uh, no, I'm be- not. I'm not trying to say that I'm against it. I'm just like I'm mm-hmm. just saying that it strikes a different tone with me now than than it did before. Now I'm just like I I almost feel like the scene is kind of unnecessary um, because I mean mm-hmm. like. There, ha- it is. Oh, it's already been established that this dude is a murdering psychopath. He ripped off uh, Kagero's love interest's arms, and he drank the blood. And I was just like, now it's overkill, you know. Mm. Um, mm. But there is, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. Um, that's cool. Uh, that the whole. The, I mean, yes, there there were aspects of overkill uh, in this movie, but again, there 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 is something that about the anime genre that lends itself to that. That's almost required for that aspect of storytelling, at least in the context that they set up this film in. Um, I mean, he's basically fighting uh, almost superhuman uh, creatures, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and But one of the aspects about that uh, assault scene that I felt... Uh, made it necessary to the film or at least played a role is that later in the film, the character who had assaulted uh, Kagero, uh, he, uh, his ability to defend himself was now compromised because Kagero, uh, one of the, one of the points of her character is that she 
is like a poison tester for some uh, shogun. And because of that, because of having that job for so long, her blood is now... She's uh, a mutant. She, isn't she a mutant? She's she, basically a mutant. Like, if yeah. you touch her, if you touch her, uh, you will be poisoned um, and you will die. And that uh, basically uh, ran, ran its course through um, this monster's body and gave Jubei an advantage later in their showdown in the film. And, there, I mean, it can be argued that there's a symbolism to that in regards to, you know, when you violate somebody, um, you weaken yourself, or that there is... Uh, no matter no matter how strong you are, there are consequences for your actions that will present themselves in ways that you can't anticipate. I mean, I kind of just off the top of my head, I'm comparing it to uh, Harvey Weinstein. OK. And, all right. And all the years that he thought, you know, I mean, you know, rich Hollywood producer, um, more influence than, you know, anybody can imagine. Um, he thought that. Everything that he'd done, like the generations before him, it was just going to be like, uh, whatever. Nobody gives a fuck. Um, I'm just going to make this money. I'm going to do what I want and whatever. And meanwhile, he ended up becoming the nexus uh, and a focal point of a movement that has changed the landscape of Hollywood and continues to change it. There's still more work to be done. Right. But uh, he... He will not live the life that his predecessors have where they thought they got away with it. Yeah, right. Um, so, wow, we were, we definitely went into that scene. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't <laughs> expecting this. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 guess, I guess you could view it that way. I mean... I, I see it as, like, if you're going to make a, a movie about, like, ninjas and shit like that. Uh, but then again, it's just like, you know, uh, this is a, a, a movie of its time. Like, I can tell you, like, uh, like a bunch of uh, samurai-era uh, films that have uh, characters who are, like, uh, female characters who are sexually assaulted. Uh, that's kind of like, you know, you walk into, like, a... a um, a Chambara film, like a fucking samurai film. And nine times out of like, there's, I'm not going to say nine times out of 10, but more often than not, if uh, female characters are treated badly, <laughs> so bad shit, yeah. bad, bad shit happens to them. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, you know, um, and I kind of just, you know, uh, I, I, I don't view it, uh, I, I I don't view it the same as I did when I was a kid, um, because I, I, it didn't stri- like it struck me as like holy shit, this is uh, this is fucking scary, but at the same time I was conflicted because I was just full of like teenage hormones and I'm just like <laughs> titties, you know, um, as as we all were, yeah, as I we know. all were. <laughs> so now I'm just like, oh my god. Um, <laughs> you know, teen- teenage boys are monsters. Uh, so <laughs> it's um, true. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, you know, moving on from that, from the seriousness of that scene, you know, the, the movie ends up being this, like this, this fun ninja romp 
<laughs> it's so weird because that scene is just like you know the movie's like take me seriously and then it's like no we're about ninjas uh and then and then you know um it's about uh you know uh rock monsters and people who have bees in their backs and and uh jubei is trying to stop this uh the shogun of the dark from basically overthrowing um the governing bodies of of uh of japan uh and and it, you know it's a, it's a fun movie it's a fun movie and i was just like i i saw this movie um i i when you when you brought up ninja scroll and you were just like what movie do we put up against this i was just like oh i, I know good time because good time has a kind of like a similar theme it's it's about these male characters who um you know, fucking go on this weird odyssey, meeting these crazy with meeting these other characters, making a bunch of bad decisions. But in Jubei's case, he's he's kind of he's more honorable than Constantine Nikos. Um, <laughs> so yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, plus, I felt I like got... Good Time had. I'm sorry. Plus, I felt like Good Time had more of an anime vibe to it because there's yeah. It's like it has like it's very colorful. It's got like purples and like mm-hmm. neons and kind of has this weird like cyberpunkish edge to it. I, I can't even describe. I immediately thought that when uh, Connie brought the the guy who he broke out of the hospital um, into that lady's home, and she when she gave the uh, the infirmed guy the room, she was just like the light doesn't work in here. Uh, we can only light this room via the TV. And she turned the TV on and the blue, the, the room was just filmed, filled with this like bluish, maybe purplish haze because of the, the static on the TV. And I was just like, this is so this is such a purposeful lighting choice, like the mood that was set off of that alone. I mean, the whole house in and of itself was uh, pretty much just shadows and darkness and hues of blue and, and red. Ar- and red and orange and stuff like that. But um, so it set a mood and I, I just thought to myself, wow, that's a uh, visually like, that's really beautiful to look at. So yeah, I totally yeah. agree with the whole uh, cyberpunk uh, sort of look that it had. And even some of the camera shots and the detail, especially when we're, we have close up of Connie's face as he's thinking like, um, first of all, Robert Pattinson's uh, face is very angular so it lent itself to that anime look, you know. Yeah. And I thought, and I thought to myself, man, they, they could totally like draw this scene, and you could tell it's right out of this movie, you know. So. Yeah. Um, you know, you know who we should do. Um, that that reminds me of this dude who does on Instagram who does these anime drawings of real movies. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. anime style. What's his name? Me- Mega Grozov. I think so. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um. That guy, it would be really cool if he did like a a, a good time kind of uh, art print um, or artwork oh. of good, of Constantine. We should write to him and yeah. make a request. Yeah, like because because <laughs> I totally think he'd be into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, getting back to Ninja Scroll, um, you know uh, what? Like uh, you know, seeing the movie as a whole, you know. Not as a whole, but like in totality, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what 
like what did you glean from it like is it just an exercise in animation like um because the thing about it is that it i feel like watching it this time it didn't feel like you know great animes they have like cowboy bebop right you watch him mm-hmm. and then you're just like you kind of are you kind of relate to the characters in in Cowboy Bebop in, in some shape or form because they're so great. Um, but in Ninja Scroll, like, I couldn't really... I couldn't really relate to Jubei. Like, he kind of remained, like, kind of an enigmatic mystery. Like, he's just like, yeah, he's mm-hmm. kind of a... Uh, he's kind of an honorable dude, but he's, like, kind of shitty at the same time, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and... Um, but, I like, I I couldn't... Like it felt like a fun adventure, but I didn't feel like, like is it really like a classic? I guess in animation terms, because it was like groundbreaking for its time. But it, it doesn't strike the same chord as like Akira or like Ghost in the Shell, you know, um, mm-hmm. to me. So, well, Akira and Ghost in the Shell were far more complex. So I yeah right I, right right that that Ninja Scroll is definitely not like a a, a super deep movie. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, you can glean some deeper meaning from it, but if you just want to sit back and enjoy it with like a, a thing of popcorn, like you can do that too. Whereas Ghost in the Shell, I feel like you got to sit down and you have to pay attention. You know, yeah. like are, are there going to be some beautiful, beautiful visuals? Sure, but you're not there just for the visuals. You're missing more than half if you're if you're just there for the visuals for Ghost in the Shell as well as Akira. Right, but with. But with the uh, Ninja Scroll, I feel like at its core, it had the simple message that uh, choices choices start you down paths that you cannot anticipate, and they will ultimately be decided by the content of who you are. Like uh, Jubei, while he had some honorable aspects to him, like you're right, he definitely had some. Uh, he's not really. He, he he can be scummy at times as well. I mean, uh, and it's sort of, in my belief, kind of a consequence of the world that he lived in. I mean, it's feudal Japan. Everybody's just trying to survive, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but ultimately, if he wanted to, he could have just walked away from the difficult situations that he came across. But But instead, he made choices that... Uh, were more difficult and led to more difficulty, but he chose, well, he made the initial choice to follow through with it. And because of that, um, more consequences came on, on, onto his shoulders that basically tied him into uh, this particular nexus of events. Um, But ultimately, and this is, and, and this is sort of like outside the story uh, in regards to how you want to theorize how this particular world would have played out had he chosen not to take action. Would the Shogun of the Dark ultimately have risen to power and made things worse for everybody and in some roundabout way led to Jubei's demise down the road? Or, you know, or not. Like, who knows? But uh, as it's depicted in this story, he became... he He had to live with consequence and ultimately became an instrument of consequence, especially with the showdown with Gemma at the end. Yeah. So, um, so don't you, that's... Mean, don't you mean 
That's how it always sounds in my head just because of this movie. Like I've I've literally heard that name used uh, for a dog once and I I just can only hear it in that way. Gamma! <laughs> no, I I like your take. I like your take where it's just it's about it's about consequence. It's about it's about choices and consequence. You know what? You know what else kind of like jumped out at me about this movie is that it in like when I saw it for the first time when I was a teenager um it i feel like it kind of opened my eyes to japanese mythology because it mm. kind of like encapsulates like a lot of japanese mythological uh um characters like the shogun of the dark is actually like um um a feudal era like scary story it's like a spook story you know um mm-hmm. and uh um the the demons the 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 these um these six demons of of kaiman um i i just thought it was like an interesting kind of uh introduction into like like you know we all like when we're kids we're introduced to like oh it's like greek mythology it's about zeus Mm. and you know it's about thor and this and that and then this to me was like an introduction into like oh it, this is this is uh the the Japanese mythology of the um, the masterless Ronin who fights these mythological superpowered creatures you know all with their own mm. unique skill set uh, working for a kind of historical a quasi historical uh, evil villain so. Um, you know, it's, it brought up like concepts like immortality. Like I'd never seen Highlander before this movie. So that was the first time I'd seen, um, uh, like, you know, somebody like get their head chopped off and then put it back on their shoulders. You know, (laughs) his, his character, man, his, uh, let me, let me, let me tell you, uh, I miss anime that looks like this because anime now is so clean looking. Yeah. So like, it's so clean looking and kind of sharp and angular and there's like there's no like grittiness to it anymore. Yeah. Now I feel oh, like it's all kind of so like, hit it on the head. Yeah, it's all trying to appeal to as many people as possible by like banking on the things that everyone knows about anime, which is like the big eyes and you know like the the uh, the spiky hair and the 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 protagonist the male protagonists that scream all their lines and now it's all, st- <laughs> it's all stories about fucking teenagers and it's like all kind of like why it has this YA kind of like uh, young adult quality to it as opposed oh. to being like, you know, as opposed to being like, uh, uh, n- like being unafraid to, to, you know, get a little down and dirty and fucking, you know, um, get really gritty. There, there's a few animes that that kind of uh, play up a little bit like that. There's this anime called Gantz. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, yes, where, I've where seen gets, that. Where it gets like it gets fucking violent, you know. Um, that's that's the one that's like pretty much all CGI, right? Oh no, no, there there's a there's a um, a two D version. Oh, of okay. That. Yeah, yeah, which is just like I don't know. I haven't seen the the three D version, the mm-hmm. the CGI version, but um, the two D version is where it's at in terms of like you know. Uh, gore and shit, you know, be like okay. being like, uh, this is fucking anime for like adults, you know. Um, 
which I I always found like like it it's more the it's more so it's it's less of a it's less kind of like novelty you know it's less like you know it, it differentiates it differentiates itself from being like a the cookie the cookie cutter Disney kind of shit and being like you know this is you know. This is this is you want to see an action movie? We'll show you a fucking action movie. We'll show you what happens when like a dude gets his arms blown off by a giant fucking blade, you know? Um <laughs> or you know. Man, there there's a moment in this movie that I was just like when uh Kagero goes back to report to her shogun and the, uh, not to her shogun, to her to her boss. I forget. I don't, I don't know what the name is for him for to her chief. And basically, mm-hmm. he's in the middle of, you know, having sex. And he's right. talking to Kagero at the same time. And I'm just like, that's gangster. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we just see that in, like, another film? Uh, wasn't that in um, uh, one of the films that we just reviewed? Uh, shit. I'm trying to think. Um, Were they having sex and talking to somebody at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. It was... Uh, it was it was definitely a Japanese film. Let's put it okay, that way. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it wasn't. It was for... <laughs> wasn't uh, oh, 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 uh, was it? Uh, oh, it was fucking uh, um, Gozu, right? Yes, yes, yeah. Gozu. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely, definitely in that film. <laughs> oh man, the the these these movies are are very much an acquired taste. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, once you acquire that taste, you're you'll never be the same. Yeah, <laughs> your mind is fucking warped. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. Um, yeah, you know, uh, just going back to Ninja Scroll. You know, the the director of Ninja Scroll, Kawajiri, he made uh, one of the best. Um, he made one of the best segments of the Animatrix. Uh, the ana- the, oh. uh, the samurai one. Uh, I think it's called. Duel. Yeah. Yes, yes, it is yeah. called Duel. That was, uh, I could tell instantly when I saw that segment that um, it was by the same people, same direction and stuff like that. It was just the style, the showdowns, um, the, the pacing of the action. Uh, yeah, I, th- that was that was an unforgettable one. I think that was, I think that was one of the first segments they ever released online in order to promote the animatrix back in the day because uh, the internet the internet was still somewhat in its it let's just say it wasn't as mature as it was today we're talking about early 2000s um not everybody had broadband internet and i remember letting this damn episode load for at least two hours so i could you know see it without buffering and it was just i was just like holy shit this is uh, this is some amazing uh, sword play and storytelling. And, and I mean, what did you think when you saw it? Well, for me, it took like three hours because my mom kept picking up the phone. <laughs> mom. Yes. Yeah, I got to call your aunt in El Salvador. You know, <laughs> like I want to watch the, the anime. Those movies will rot your brain, you know, <laughs> And they did. So. Um, oh man. Yeah, yeah but yeah. you know, but now, but now we have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it all worked out. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, I mean, I, I, that's one of my favorite um, segments. I, I, I said this before. It's my favorite segments of the. It's one of my favorite segments of the Animatrix, and, uh, and you know, I, and it still retained that kind of gritty detail to it, and I, it makes me kind of miss. It, it makes me miss that era, you know. Yeah. That era of um, of anime, you know, I um. I just recently finished watching an anime called uh, Parasite, The Maxim, and that that movie was pretty. That I'm sorry that that uh, show was pretty good. Uh, mm. It was a little gory, but it, it's just you know, um, again it it's kind of like a YA. It's like a a, a YA romance. It's got that <laughs> angle to it, and um, where in these were as. Um, Movies like Ninja Scroll or like say, um, what's that other movie? Jinro, the Brotherhood of the Wolf. You ever seen that one? Um, no. Jinro, the Brotherhood of the Wolf. It's a it's a movie that's that's kind of like um, what happened. If, what would happen if uh, if uh, Nazi Germany and uh, the fascist Japanese won the war? And then, oh uh, shit! Yeah, and it's like I think it's it's set in the eighties, but it's got like um, it's got a fascist regime which cracks down on people with this uh, with these squadrons called Jinro, um, and they have like this crazy armor, and these crazy like the, they carry around these miniguns, um, and that that movie like doesn't fuck around, um, it's a little melodramatic. Which happens in anime, uh, which happens in often <laughs> in, in early anime. You know, people either scream or, or cry their lines. Um, so, <laughs> well, you got to get the emotion out, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, Gem, 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 Gem. Dude, the way Gemma dies is so great. Can we talk about his death? Is so satisfying. Plus, Dude. I love I love his design. His overall design is really cool. He's a hulking dude who no he, who doesn't fight because the whole time Jubei is fighting people with swords. You know, he's <laughs> he's got he's a he's a he's a Ronin, so he's got a sword and he's fucking and you know slicing people up. This dude does not have his enemy Gemma does not have a sword. He has a fucking armored arm, which I thought was <laughs> so cool. Um. But yeah, the way he dies is so good, dude. Uh, just getting, uh, getting hit with that, uh, that avalanche of molten gold. <laughs> like, <laughs> I practically, I kind of felt it. Like there was something about the way they animated. It. And again, it comes to that grittiness that you were talking about. Like the way that gold moved, you could tell it was the most scalding thing on the planet <laughs> when it hit him. And he just went right through the floor of that ship, you know, and as you see it, you see like he's sort of falling into the ocean. You could tell that the gold is sort of like uh, entombed. It's cooled cooled off and it's it's basically turned him into a statue uh, in in kind of a similar manner. Uh, Somebody again, somebody must have been watching Ninja Scroll. I'm guaranteed somebody at Marvel <laughs> was watching Ninja Scroll and it's like, huh, uh, that's, I guess that's the way you kill an immortal. Um, yeah. 
I just imagine that Gemma, once he got encased in gold and he sunk to the bottom of the ocean, like, uh, on the way down, he, like, hit, he, like, um, there's a bunch of other people encased in, uh, like, I'm just in my mind. <laughs> there's other people encased in, 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 you know, metals. And, like, one of them is Ro- is the Robert E. Lee statue. And they're just, like... <laughs> Robert E. Lee is just like, oh, God, I'm stuck next to a person of color. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, man. Because that's the way in my mind that I wish that Robert E. Lee died, just encased in, in metal, you know, oh. for, forever, <laughs> forever at the bottom of the ocean. We could only hope. We could only yeah. hope. It's like, please don't do this. And I'll just feel like, oh, you know, I'm preserving history. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you think that um, Juve now has like, he's constantly f- flecking like gold off of his skin because uh, Gemma grabbed his leg shortly before he went under. And that looked like one of the most painful fucking things that um I, I it just looks that 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 look of that searing sound the sound design in this movie is great but like when yeah. gemma grabs his arm and his the the gold is still molten on his body and you know he grabs uh uh jube by the leg you hear that sizzle and that yeah. like <laughs> uh, and it just seems like the most painful fucking thing and uh and then do you think that Juve is still like picking flex every time he has to he's just like, oh, shit, I'm strapped for cash. He, like, <laughs> go, goes down and scratches at his leg and picks out like a, a, a bunch of like golden beads. Oh, that's so <laughs> disgusting. Oh, man, there are there are worse problems to have. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, it's definitely going to leave a mark. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You know. The next, uh, the next woman, he's just like, oh, what happened there? Well, I was fighting this immortal monster, and I had to kill him by pouring molten gold on him and taking him to the bottom of the ocean. Ah, oh, you're so funny. You know. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I thought you were a fuckboy, but now that I know you got gold, you know. <laughs> oh, man. But I miss, um, I miss old anime as well. Uh, once... Once anime took a turn toward like the super clean and super angular and my demarcation point was when that series Yu-Gi-Oh sort of like hit the airwaves. It was just too much. I was just like, this doesn't, this feels like somebody else's approximation of what anime is rather than what real anime is, you know? I, I, I would go earlier. I would say that Pokemon changed the anime landscape forever. Um, because mm. Pokemon mm. became a worldwide phenomenon. Uh, it opened uh, the style of anime up to the world, uh, and I feel like it um, it not only opened up anime to the world, but it made it made it so that people were just like studios were just like, oh. Now that uh, you know, now that we know what people like, maybe we should like all kind of change with it, and not make these, you know, gritty. Not to say that there still aren't like thoughtful, you know, m- uh, movies that have that have a, a very de- a deeper message, 
But now I feel like because of animes like Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh! or uh, anime shows that have more appeal and bring in more money, you know, it's influenced the entire studio system where they're just like, oh, you know, do we do we want to make a, an anime where, like, you know, people get their arms blown off and, you know, you see titties and you see there's 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 graphic sex and, and there's adult themes or we can make a, a, an anime that appeals to everyone, you know? <laughs> um, and that's where, you know, Cowboy Bebop sets itself apart where it's just like, no, we don't, we, we want to appear like we're appealing to everyone, but really we're mixing in a little bit, uh, we're mixing in a little bit of message. We're br- mixing in a little bit of adult, uh, adult themes. And I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I keep harping on the fact that Cowboy Bebop is awesome, but it's the greatest anime that that's ever been. So pretty much, pretty yeah. much, yeah, man, yeah. And folks, if you if you haven't done so, there is a um, Cowboy Bebop sort of music mashup on YouTube. Um, I we got to find the specific title and recommend it on our social media. But it's essentially uh, bringing in. Uh, all these different artists to sing um, different parts oh, of, yeah. uh, of of real folk blues, yeah. uh, and that was, it's that was heartwarming. And they have all these different styles from the traditional singing to hip hop. Um, all these different people participating, and uh, they even have some of the voice actors from Cowboy Bebop, the guy who voices. What's his name? Jet. The guy who uh, voices oh, Jet. Bo Billingsley. Yeah. yeah, he was in there. And of course, at the end, they have uh, Spike. And I got to tell you, man, like they dropped this pretty much in the middle of the pandemic. And it was it just sort of like brought me back to life a little bit. Like, oh, that's right, man. There's still there's fucking beauty in the world, you know? Yeah, I know. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I mean. And that's I feel like that's what great anime does. It stands the test of time. Like I know I've been I've I've been kind of knocking uh, Ninja Scroll for like like wondering if it really is a classic, but like I guess it I guess it is just because like it it it's wasn't afraid to to throw some punches out there and to like make people second guess whether uh, this this um, format this storytelling format is for adults or for just just as Disney has basically commodified it for children. So, mm. um, so yeah, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and say, you know what? It, it does, uh, it does belong in the annals of, of, um, of the anime hall of fame, right? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Man, because it, for me, I mean, it was the first anime I saw, and it, you know, it definitely made me more interested in, in watching a bunch of other shit. Like, I ended up watching um, Macross because of it, Macross Plus, mm-hmm. um, which led me to watch like, what were your first animes? For me, it was like Macross Plus, Pat Labor, Akira, Ghost in the Shell, and then like Robotech, which is basically a mashup of Gundam and Macross Plus. 
Mm-hmm. The Macross the Mac series. Uh, one of my first, well, one of the first things that planted seeds for me in regards to anime was the Voltron cartoon series. Oh yeah, it, that was produced in Japan, and just the the style of animation and uh, kind of the epicness of it uh, definitely seared its way into my mind, which sort of paved the way for the things I saw in the future. But I guess the first thing that I would say, like I picked up at the video store and started exploring when I took home was the series Ran Mahaf, uh, which I've I've (laughs) spoken about before. And I got to tell you, man, it was wild because you don't see anything like that in American animation. And and I'll (laughs) say again for the people who don't know, it's a series of a young Kung Fu student and his master who end up getting cursed because they fall into this enchanted pool. And what happens is, Anytime they get wet, uh, the young Kung Fu student, who was a young male, turns into a young, red, a young redheaded female. And his master, uh, who is an uh, older Asian man, turns into a giant panda. And, you know, when they, when they accidentally get splashed or if they get caught in the rain, uh, they'll transform and hilarity ensues, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it was just so I loved it. It was just so because it just had so many wacky characters. And looking back on it now, just the just them playing around with gender and um, and and I and self-identification. It was like it was it was kind of ahead of its time in certain ways. You know, I got to tell you, um, uh, an anime that kind of like was uh, that that did that for me was. well, the first time I saw Neon Genesis Evangelion. Have you ever seen this one? Neon Genesis yes. Evangelion. Yeah. Yes. Um, that anime, um, you know, not, and I'm not saying the remakes. The remakes are great, by the way, with with amazing fucking CGI action. The third um, one, the third one, if I could just uh, insert really quick in and of itself, had one of the most um, amazing openings ever where you just hear radio chatter and as the brightness and color sort of fill into the screen, you're seeing that this uh, this robot is sort of like entering the atmosphere. Like it was, it was fucking amazing. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Um, but again, yeah, that the series itself it has like uh, themes about uh, existentialism, religion. It's a little bit black, like. For for you hardcore Catholics out there listening to our show, and we know that there are a bunch of you, um, <laughs> this it, it plays a lot around around like Catholic Christian mythology. Um, it's um, it's a story about a, um, a negligent fathers. Um, it's got some titties in it, uh, you know. <laughs> It's got giant robots, and it's a coming-of-age story uh, that examines sexuality as it, you know, as it kind of blossoms, you know? There's, there's, um, There's some queer aspects to it, which unfortunately the Netflix has kind of omitted because, um, I don't know why, uh, that's kind of, I think it's kind of fucked up that they kind Mm. of, uh, did away with the gay... Uh, subplot um, to the main character of Shinji 
Um, but it's it's just really, you know, it, it, it for me it definitely opened my eyes up to like not only just like uh, uh, the cool mech action, but to like themes of like sexuality, what that means, and and like uh, where humanity fits in like the broader spectrum of things. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, fuck, anime is just like uh, is just like such a great format to tell these stories in different ways you know you wouldn't expect that from a a, a, sh- a show about um giant robots or like you wouldn't <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't expect um stories about um you know surviving sexual assault in like a story about ninjas but here we are you know and and uh, anime just it it does that it kind of like um it fills in those gaps uh, in somewhat kind of like exploitative ways, but what other what what other kind of um, like uh, you don't you don't see those stories being told that often? Very true, yeah. very true. I think that's one of the things that attracts so many people to the genre. Um, yeah. It's definitely it definitely took a hold in the United States and and has done nothing but grow over the years uh, in different aspects. Every every subgenre contributes like what we were talking about before the more commercialized clean and angular versions you know they they do their part to sort of broaden the the spectrum you know you're going to have your you're going to have your pop your sort of poppy aspect of a particular genre and then you're going to have its more um if i could be a little snooty it's more pure versions <laughs> <laughs> you know you got your one punch man uh, kind of taking that to an extreme, right? Like to the to the point where like his face is so clean that it's just like blank. <laughs> <laughs> but again, uh, the, an- so, the animation so quick to draw his face. Sorry, yeah. it must be so quick to draw his face. <laughs> yeah, but also the animation has like these breathtaking fight sequences, especially in that first season, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, absolutely so yeah uh yeah this this ended up being less of a talk about ninja scroll and more about anime in its totality you know um i mean how can you how can you not i mean the the it's it's such a it's such a rich and and colorful uh so to speak uh subject to talk about and it's had such a big impact in regards to what we see as style on the screen, whether it's the small screen or big screen, I mean, even even to the uh, to movie that we love, like like it was our own child, The Matrix. Um, it has tons of anime influences uh, in that film. So Ghost in the Shell, hell yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so we can't help but to talk about the the broader aspects of it. But yeah, man, uh, and I think that's that's the point where I think we could wrap it up. So, um, but um, so who would win? (laughs) Jeez, (laughs) who would win here? Uh, I know, like immediately, yeah, I know you're probably gonna side with Juve. Um, (laughs) and you know, I I kind of agree. I kind of agree. Juve would fucking kill the shit out of Constantine Nikos. But if they had to survive in each other's worlds, that would be a real challenge. It would be a real challenge to Jubei's 
moral standing somewhat because I don't know if transporting Jubei to, you know, uh, New York and its seedy underbelly would give him much room for for nobility. Well, his version of nobility. I mean, you just can't go slicing people up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Our, exactly, right? In our modern day, you know, whereas, uh, uh, whereas uh, Robert Pattinson's character might find a home in the underbelly in the underbelly of uh feudal japan yeah i think he would try to like uh um fucking uh robert pattinson would would uh basically join the shogun of the dark yeah (laughs) (laughs) and through a series of bad decisions he would probably end up like um, getting blown up by that dynamite lady or the lady with the snakes that come out of her yes absolutely yeah (laughs) she fucking gets snakes coming out of her chocha i forgot that shit (laughs) (laughs) i'm like man your chocha must be so dry oh oh man so oh god oh my god (laughs) (laughs) oh pussy so anyway um (laughs) yeah so uh jubei might i i i honestly think jubei might kill himself uh if he were be to be transported into um uh constantine nikos's world because uh it w- the world is just too dishonorable for him to live in you know mm, true true you know and then uh Kanima would thrive because he's a scumbag and that's what happens with scumbags unfortunately in these in this day and age it's true it's true until they until they meet a quick death especially being an underling because i certainly couldn't see him becoming a boss oh yeah no no no. fucking gemma would fucking have his head (laughs) like rip his balls out (laughs) (laughs) in the goriest way possible oh wow this episode had everything um everything so that's that's about it. That about wraps up the show. Um, yeah, wouldn't you agree? <laughs> that's right. That's right. I think we I think we did it. We came, we saw, and we did it. <laughs> we did it. It was a twofer, two parter. I'm Pablo Morali Martinez, <laughs> and I'm Ernesto Mancibo, and together we are the Robots versus Taxes program on Radio Free Brooklyn. And while you're out there, you could try keeping it real. But you should try keeping it right. Song of the Week. <laughs>